Paying it forward is something we all intend to do, but is rarely at the top of our daily task list. In this episode, a bit of the inspiration and also the how-to on being a positive influence for others. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 527. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. So many of us who have had the privilege to be able to lead others have been able to do that because of the positive influence of other leaders in our lives. Today, an invitation for all of us to take that step, to recognize the power that others have given us in their influence, and also, perhaps more importantly, what we can do to give that back to others. I'm so pleased to welcome an expert on this today. Glenn Parker is my guest. He is a team-building and organizational consultant to many of the world's leading corporations, including Novartis, Merck, Lucent, and Accenture, as well as smaller organizations and government agencies. He is the author of 15 books, including the bestsellers Team Players and Teamwork, New Strategies for Developing Successful Collaboration, and Cross-Functional Teams, Working with Allies, Enemies, and Other Strangers. Glenn's assessment survey, the Parker Team Player Survey, published by CPP, has sold more than 1 million copies. Glenn is the author, with his son Michael Parker, of the new book, Positive Influence, The Leader Who Helps People Become Their Best Self. Glenn, what a pleasure it is to meet you. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Well, me too. And I mentioned to you before we got on the line here that I really enjoyed the journey you've taken me on in reading this new book over the last few days. And the reason I've enjoyed the journey is partially because of what we'll talk about today. But the other reason I've enjoyed it is because I have such wonderful associations with you in your work because of the professionalism you bring and the research you do, and also because about 18 years ago, I was taking a class in my master's program on team building, and and that was the whole focus of the class. And your book was the central book for the entire course, and it was such a wonderful book, and I learned so much. And it was also where I met my wife. (laughs) We were in a team building class together, ironically. And so Bonnie and I met while we were reading your book. And so for all of those reasons, I have very positive associations about you. So thank you for all of that. I, I love it. That's a great story. I'm grateful for you to sharing that story. I'm happy that the book and the class and you're still together you and bonnie right so that's a good that's we a are good <laughs> we are the team is going strong we both got a's okay. we both got a's as i like to joke <laughs> well give, give 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 her my best as well i will i will well and that's a good lead into our conversation about influence and in this new book one of the headings in one of the chapters is the message You didn't build that alone. When you think about that message, tell me what you mean. Well, the phrase actually came from a a speech that President Obama gave on the campaign trail when he was running back in, uh, in 2008. 
And he, he actually got himself into trouble because many business people took it as, what do you mean I didn't build this business on my own? I worked hard and, and built it up and now it's successful. I didn't, I didn't build it on my own. What he meant was you didn't build that alone. He was actually trying to emphasize public-private partnerships that, yes, you got there by the help of friends and colleagues and teachers and parents and coaches and investors, but you also, the, the government played a role as well building roads and bridges and transportation and providing small business loans and advice. Just as, you know, Steve Jobs points out what Steve Wozniak did to help him get started in his business. And, and Bill Gates also points to people that helped him get started. As many people did, we were, we're, we just, as we say, nobody can do it for you, but you don't have to do it alone. And most of us got here with some help from someone, and often it's many people along the way who we now call your positive influence or the positive influence leader in your life. So that's kind of what the, the view of this was. And, and this is, I think, a good transition for us to look at maybe some of the examples you mention in the book that there's some different ways to be a supportive leader, and particularly you surface four that your research has uh, right. has identified. But I thought it might be fun to maybe share some of our own stories. And, yes. and you were gracious to ask me of just some of the examples I have of people who have been supportive in our lives. When you think about this model, Glenn, and the, and the research that's come out of it and different ways to support, who comes up for you that's been helpful to you in, in influencing your work and influencing your leadership skills? Well, you know, that, that, that's a great question. I will say that we, when we started this, we were actually looking for a profile of what, it, what is, what does a positive influence leader do? So we were looking, we thought that that would be a particular style, a particular way of leading that would hold together. It turns out that that was not the case. And we let the data speak to us and say, no, no, this, there's actually four different ways, four different styles, four different types of positive influence leaders. But let me start with a, a, a story that was very impactful. It's my, and I, so I want to take you back to my first job, my first real job out of graduate school, my first professional job. And take you back to my first performance appraisal and my first boss. So I'm in the meeting with my boss, Larry, and he thinks I've done, been doing a good job. And it's the, the, the conversation is going well. And I have to tell you, as an aside, that the job I did essentially involved doing research and writing reports. Pretty boring stuff. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, I was good at boring. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was really good at it. But I came to that time in the performance appraisal where we talk about your development plan. What do you want to do going forward? So I had thought a little bit about this, and I noticed that the people across the hall in leadership training were seemed to be having a lot of fun. They uh -huh. got to travel all over and they conducted classes and they came back with all these stories about what happened in the classes and, of course, the travel stories. So I said to Larry, you know, 
I think I would like to get into leadership training. Could I observe a class? And he said, well, as a matter of fact, Glenn, I'm going down south to conduct some classes next week and you can come with me. But he said, Glenn, I really can't justify your travel expenses unless you teach something. Uh-huh. So I, so I, my lips started to quiver. I what? <laughs> me, me teach something? I said, Larry, I don't know anything. How could I teach something? And he said, Glenn, we'll figure it out. Uh-huh. And he did. And I taught something and it went really well. And I said, you know, I like this. This is what I want to do. And he helped change the direction of my life and my career because I found that was my true north. Now, let me tell you something else about Larry. It was a two-day class. I only taught two hours on the afternoon of the second day. So he had pretty much warmed up the group and it had gone very well. And so when I did my part, the group was already formed and ready and willing to learn. And I came in and did a good enough job that he was happy and they were happy. But here's the thing that I think is significant about this is that he didn't say to me, Glenn, I'm going down. We have to teach some classes next week. Why don't you teach the class and I'll sit in the back and observe and give you feedback? Mm -hmm. No, he didn't do that. He positioned me for success by giving me a very limited and defined area for my for me to teach he helped he coached me on how to prepare and how to deliver this session and as a result i was successful now this was the most important initial positive influence in my life and larry was not a charismatic no one would ever confuse him with a motivational speaker of any sort but he had that practical good sense to put me in a position to be successful. And, I, and, and here's something that we've learned from a lot of people, and this was my story too. He saw something in me, Dave, that I didn't see in myself. So that's, that, that was my first intro to it. Now, of course, I didn't realize at the time what Larry had done. You know, I, I put this in context much later, but I remember it to this day, and I remember him, you know, fondly because this I went on to grow into that particular area. But I only, let me circle back because I introduced the idea there were four different types. As I said, we, it didn't fit into a neat pattern, but what we found is that there are four different types or four different ways you can be a positive influence leader, all of them helpful, but different. We call them the supportive, the teacher, the motivator, and the role model leader. So circling back, the supportive leader is somebody that says, you can do this. I've got your back. I'm here for you. They support your ability. In fact, Larry, in some ways, was partially supportive in saying that I could do it. So, you know, for example, they're they're the person that will not do it for you but they will position you to to be successful at it. So for example, a young woman we interviewed for the book, Betsy, she talked about going when she was, she went to college to study theater arts, assuming she was a woman of a certain generation, that what would be open to her as a woman would be acting 
or writing and perhaps directing. But in the, the curriculum included a class in technical theater, which meant she had to learn lighting and sound and set decoration and building and the like. And she had to take this class. And at one point during the class, and this went back many years and she remembers this incident vividly, Jim, her instructor, said, Betsy, I want you to go up on that ladder and I want you to string lights above the stage. She said, what? She said, I, <laughs> Glenn, I grew up in, a, in, in an apartment. We never even had a ladder in our house. So, and and she, he said, you know, imagine, imagine a stage, how high the lights would have to be to be hung over the stage at the top of the. So she went up on that. She went up on that ladder. He said, Betsy, you can do this. And she went up and she did it. And she came back and she was what we would call today, she was empowered. And she actually changed her direction to get into the technical theater. And she, she said, I learned how to use power tools and to use a saw and, and how to build sets and do, do all those kind of things behind the scenes. And, and by the way, it was not easy for her to break into that because there were no women doing that aspect of theater. It was all male-dominated workplace. But she she could do it, and she broke in, and she did it in. And this was in the New York theater, which is a very competitive place. So that's you know what the supportive leader. It could be a very small thing like that, but they said, you know, you got this. I have your back. You can do this. The teacher. Sometimes the teacher has the title of teacher or instructor or professor, but other times they could be a parent, they could be a coach, they could be a manager who teaches you what you need in order to be successful. What is it that you need in order to be successful? They teach you that, but they also teach you some values, the right way to do things. For example, Leslie, a, a young woman that we interviewed for the book, part of our study group, she went back to school after many years out in the workplace because she had this desire to be a teacher. She went back for a graduate degree program and she met Professor Carlson, who she said inspired her. She, he not only taught her the skills and the knowledge that she needed in order to be a great classroom teacher, but he was an inspirational figure such that she wanted to be a great teacher as well. And a great teacher she did become because she became a teacher in the New York City public school system. And then about three years ago, she was one of 20 teachers in that school system to be selected as teacher of the year. Now, there are probably about 10,000 teachers in the New York City school system, so that's quite an honor. The motivating positive influence leader is somebody who sees something in you, as Larry did, that you don't see in yourself, and they position you to be successful. They empower you to be a, a successful person. Now, Larry was that person for me, and we found many people that had that person in their life that saw something in them that they didn't see in themselves, which is a really critical thing in the development of people. 
Yeah. And in fact, I have a story here on actually, it was also my first professional role, my first full-time role. I worked for a education company and we worked with kids after school at neighborhood centers doing math and reading tutoring. And it was such a cool job of getting to learn business skills, but also getting to do something really great in the community and helping kids learn. And my first boss, um, she had the nickname in our organization uh, of the drill sergeant. That was what people referred to her as. And and she uh-huh. sort of embraced that. And she was that personality. She was in your face. She was direct. And um, I remember one day, I was probably three or four months into my job, where one of the parents called our center and told me that they were going to be withdrawing their kids uh, or one of their kids from the program. And I took the call and I said, well, I'm sorry you're leaving and, you know, kind of took care of everything and processed uh, the, the membership. And I don't remember if I didn't ask a lot of follow-up questions or I hadn't read the notes, the details escaped me, but I remember that there was something I didn't do. And I didn't really take the time to lean in and find out what was really going on. And uh, my boss found out about this conversation 10 or 15 minutes after it happened. And she knew this family really well. And she knew that the little girl who was coming to our center was struggling at school in math and how important this program was. And it wasn't a numbers thing. It wasn't a revenue thing. It was a, we need to serve this, this girl. Because if we don't, she's going to really struggle in school. And I remember standing outside her office, and she was so mad at me. And she uh, she was like six inches shorter than me. I remember her standing there, walking right up to me, looking up at me, waving her finger in my face. And she said, you call her back, and you tell her she's wrong. And I was so stunned, Glenn. <laughs> We're talking about getting yeah. a direct order yeah. from your boss, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm visualizing it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, and by the way, that kind of stuff happened all the time. Like that was just her personality. But that day, I remember that being really, and I kind of walked back into my office and it probably took me five or 10 minutes to think of like, well, I, I can't not do this. Like that's not going to be a good career move <laughs> at this point. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to it. think of like, how can I have this conversation after I just thought this was done? And you know, we lost a customer, and so I called her back. I wish I could tell you because it was like I felt motivated, but really, it was like <laughs> like I didn't have, feel like I had a choice, like because my boss just right. told me to. Sure. But somewhere in that five ten minutes, I realized that I had missed the bigger why. Yeah. I had missed why this child was coming to our center, and I had that conversation with the mom, and I it was. It was an entirely different conversation, and it went 10 or 15 minutes, and she changed her mind. And I remember afterwards that my my boss was like, look what you did. Look what you did in that child's life. And she, I think as I think about this, like, why did I wouldn't necessarily recommend anyone go wagging their finger in someone's face <laughs> as I, yeah. a as a leadership yeah. um, skill, but could be a better way, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the reason it worked for her is she that was her personality. But the the bigger reason is there was always a bigger why behind it, and that was one of many situations where she would get in my face and one of my my colleagues. She would get in our face all the time about things. And then she would go out to the rest of 
the her peers in the region and to regional leadership. And she would say, look at what my employees did today. She would tell oh, the I, story of yeah. how, how all the great work. And after a while, I realized, no, she, she's not trying to be mean. She's doing this because she has such a heart. And yes, she has a very different style than me. It was the best thing for me, Glenn. It was the absolute yeah. best thing. I'd never had someone like that in my life. I'd never had a manager who got in my face regularly. And I only worked for her for like nine months. And when I went to work for other people, I, I realized how much I missed it and how much that was so helpful to me at that time. I made so much progress in nine months that I had, hadn't made in years prior to that because she was willing to be direct. Right. But she was also teaching you some important things as well, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think you came out of that knowing a lot more about how to do your job. So what I hear you saying out of this is that, which is something that, you know, a point that, you know, it's important to make is that while we have these four types, many people are more than one. Yes. And it sounds like she's would be both motiv motivating leader and a teacher leader. Yes. And that's not, that's not unusual for people to have two or more primary, what we call primary styles. So yes, you know, that's, that's a great example. Thank you for sharing that. Let, let me just uh, tie it up with the, the last uh, style, which is the role model. Mm -hmm. The role model is the person that provides the example of how to do things the right way, the best way. And we all have known people who have been role models. The interesting thing about, of course, the role model is that many people have role models that they've never met. They just happen to be people that they admire. Uh, I mean, Oprah Winfrey talks about Maya Angelou being a, a role model for her early on. Now, later on, of course, when Oprah became famous, she got to meet Maya Angelou. And the sort of the overarching theme of our book is comes from a Maya Angelou poem, which has the line, no one but no one can make it out here alone. It's a, a line that's repeated throughout um, this particular poem. Also, for basketball players of a certain generation, Michael Jordan was a role model to many younger players. And the smart ones could look at him as a role model and say, oh, I don't want to copy the way he plays. What I want to copy is his work ethic. The fact that he is the first one in the gym in the morning and the last one to leave at night. And he takes hundreds and thousands of shots until he perfects those kinds of things. So those are the four types and those are the four styles. And as I said, we call this your primary style. It doesn't mean that it's fixed and forever you can change and adapt. And many people have more than one style. Yeah, indeed. And thank you for all the examples. I mean, what a what a great way to illustrate this. And I'll capture all this in the notes, of course, for everyone. And, you know, I think so many of us, when we think about stories, and, and we'll I think we'll make an invitation to folks here in a moment to share some of their stories if they'd like, we do often think of people who have helped us. And I think a lot of us, especially in this community, we also really wish to be that kind of leader for others, that we would influence right. others. And you make the you and Michael make the invitation in the book to pay it forward. For the person who has been the beneficiary of 
wonderful development and support from others, but maybe yet has not taken that step to really intentionally step out and, and influence others through, through these different models. Where do you find that it's helpful for people to start? Well, I, I think that the, the, the one thing that you have to do is to say, I want to get better. You know, that I, I want to be a more effective leader. It's got to come internally in which you say, I want to get better at my job. For example, I'm always thinking, how can I get better at this? How can I be more effective in communicating with people? How can I be more effective at listening? Because one of the skills that I have uh, need and have developed over the years is the ability to listen with understanding, listen with insight to what people are saying to me. I've trained myself not, for example, to interrupt people or anticipate, you know, what they're going to say. So the commitment to say, I want to get better at this is the, really the first step. No one, can, no one can do it for you. Yeah, indeed. Glenn, thank you so much for this perspective. I know this is going to be really helpful as an invitation for those who want to, and I think almost everyone who's part of our listening community really does want to be that positive influence on others and where to start. And speaking of invitations, we have one other invitation to make. You are a collector of stories and examples, as this conversation's evidence of. And I right. know you are actually collecting stories right now of folks who have had wonderful experiences and have had positive influences from leaders in their lives. And for folks who may want to share a story, what invitation do you have and how would folks do that? So since the book came out, people come up to us, Michael and I, and say, yeah, I've had a positive. I, I don't think I've ever met anybody that says they didn't have anybody in their life. They did it all on their own. So they have stories and they, they, they share those stories with me. And then I decided, you know, let's, let's start to collect those stories. So on the website, which is thepositiveinfluenceleader.com, there is a blog called Stories of Positive Influence. And there we have collected stories, brief stories, by people who have shared them with us since the book was published. And I invite people who are listening here today to share their story. Doesn't have to be long, 250, 300 words at most, just to get the idea of what the person did and how they were a positive influence on you. And you can send that to me at Glenn, G L E N N, at thepositiveinfluenceleader.com. Glenn at thepositiveinfluenceleader.com. So I, I encourage you to, to share your stories because. The stories are what makes all of this really work worthwhile, and so uh, I, I hope to um, I hope to hear from you. I, I love I love hearing these stories, and they enrich my life. And uh, I hope that in in the process that they enrich your life as well. Well, th thank you so much for the invitation um, to do this. And I'm thinking about what you said a few moments ago of uh, having that mindset of I want to get better at this. And what a great starting point to think about, not only about, but maybe write down or share a story. And whether you contact Glenn or go on the website and share a story with, with everyone, or, and or, 
perhaps you write and think about the story yourself, as I've been reflecting on, on your work, Glenn, and thinking about just stories that I've had in my life, and maybe sharing that with the people we work with. Um, what a great motivator this conversation has been for me of thinking about how can I now do this for others? And it really does, I mean, it really does open yes. up then that thinking of like, okay, when I think about how much some other people have supported me now, you know, the motivation yep. to then want to do that for others, it just, it just opens up in such a strong and authentic way. So thank you for that. You know, that, that, that's a great point. And, and one of the things we went in with, we believe that people who benefited from positive inf a positive influence in their life would share that, would pay it forward with other people. And they, that was the case. Some of them with very specific people that they could tell us about and others, they just integrated into all of their interactions with people. They, they paid it forward. Do you know where pay it forward comes from, by the way? No. It's a little trivia question that uh, you can stump people at, at a party with. Pay it forward actually comes from Benjamin Franklin. Huh. He is the first. He it wasn't the movie or the book that, you know, you, you may be familiar with. Goes back to Benjamin Franklin, a young man one time asked him for a loan of money. And he said, I will give you the money with the understanding that instead of paying me back, that you will do the same for someone who wants money from you. And you, you stimulate, stipulate to that person that instead of paying the money back to you, that they will, I hesitate to use the phrase again, pay it forward to someone else. So it kept going around and around. So he, he created this, this little idea that has continued for a long, long time. People believe that that's an important thing. In fact, there's a day devoted to pay it forward every year, like there is a, <laughs> an anniversary for a lot of things. There's actually a pay it forward day that um, where people make a special effort to do it. And I think it's a great thing. I, I absolutely think it's, it's, it's a wonderful way to share with other people how you've benefited. Indeed. And let's make that day today, whether it's the actual anniversary or not. Go yes, in and paint it, it forward. It can be any day. Yeah, indeed. Glenn Parker is the author with his son, Michael, of the book, Positive Influence, the leader who helps people become their best self. Glenn, I so appreciate your work. Thank you for your time. Again, thank you very much. I really enjoyed the conversation and the interaction. And I especially appreciate your willingness to share your stories as well. If this conversation is leaving you with a bit of inspiration on being a positive influence to others, several related episodes that will help you continue along that journey. One of them is episode 421, Help People Learn Through Powerful Teaching. My guest on that episode was Pooja Agarwal. She is an expert in the science of teaching and learning and helping all of us to do a better job at helping teach others. That's one of the core concepts that Glenn and I talked about in this conversation of uh, one of the ways to be a positive influence is the teaching positive influence, being the teacher. So many of us are looking for that in the people that we are led by. Let's also remind ourselves to be that for others. And in episode 421, Pooja and I talked in detail about some of the science behind effective teaching, looking at it through the lens of organizations and how we can help 
teach others so they can grow and develop and uh, be an influence in the careers of others. Episode 421 for that. I'd also invite you to listen to episode 505, Your Leadership Motive. Patrick Lencioni was my guest on that episode. In that conversation, Pat and I talked about our real motive behind leadership and him really challenging us to consider, are we motivated to lead because we like the title and the position and the opportunity, or are we first and foremost thinking about it from a standpoint of service? And uh, that's not an either or for most of us, by the way. I think all of us at times have struggled a bit with thinking a little bit too much from our own perspective of what it means for us and our careers. I know I've struggled with that at times in my careers, and I'm always looking for ways to do a better job at being a what uh, Pat and I talked about, being a servant leader in that conversation. And we made the point, well, what other way is there really to be? And yet, in our actions, we don't always follow through on that servant leadership. Episode 505 is just a wonderful call to action for all of us on thinking about the real motive behind why we lead. And then finally, I'd recommend episode 511, How to Be Present. My guest on that episode was Dave Crenshaw. Dave and I talked about the challenge and, of course, the reality that we can't really multitask at a biological level as much as we all try to. And yet, on the other side, how we can do a better job at really being present with others. Every single week, I hear examples from folks in our community, from folks in our academy, of other leaders who, if they would just take a few moments to stop and be present, would change the dynamic of so many situations, conversations, and struggles inside organizations. Let's be the kind of leaders that are present for others and to take the time to do that well. And in episode 511, Dave really outlined some key principles that are simple, straightforward, and powerful if we implement them on being present for others. All of those episodes you can find on the coachingforleaders.com website. If you haven't set up your free membership yet, now's a great time to do so because you're going to be able to access the entire library that I've aired since 2011 10 years of interviews and conversations coming up on our 10-year anniversary this summer, actually, of all kinds of resources for you. You can search the entire library by topic. Plus, inside the free membership are all the free audio courses, my entire library of articles that I've been capturing for years and passing along in the weekly leadership guides. And then, of course, your free membership includes a subscription to the weekly leadership guide that comes every Wednesday. It includes links from every episode. It also includes all of the resources I've been finding throughout the week for you that I think will support you in your ongoing leadership development. If you haven't done that yet, go over to coachingforleaders.com, set up your free membership. You'll be off and running in a few seconds and join in with us online so that we can continue to support you in your ongoing journey. Next week, I'm glad to welcome Erica Dewan to the show. She is going to be helping illuminate where we may be promoting anxiety in our communications. So much has changed in how we communicate in recent years, and especially in the digital age now, especially after the pandemic. Erica will be showing us some of the key ways that we can limit the anxiety we may be promoting in our communications. Join me for that next Monday. Have a great week and see you then.